0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles today to Daniel chapter 3. I read a story about a, a little boy who went to the beach one day and he wanted to go swimming. And so what he did was he uh, he saw a lady underneath some type of umbrella reading uh, a Bible. And so what he did was uh, he went up to her and, and he asked her, he said, is, is that the Word of God you're reading? And she said, well, yes it is. It's the Bible, the Word of God. And he said, hmm, Let me ask you another question, ma'am. Do you pray to God? And she said, yes, I do, every day. So he said, you read the Word of God and you pray to God. Do you love God? The little boy asked her. And she said, yes, I do. (laughs) I read the Word of God, I pray to God, and I love God. And so he said, okay, then. And then he reached into his pocket, he pulled out a quarter, and he said, will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? (laughs) Because, you know, in his line of reasoning, he figured she was trustworthy because she read the word of God. She prayed to God. She loved God. And so she could be trusted with something valuable. And then, you know, you take that to the next level. And, and you know, if someone who reads the word of God, prays to God, love God, can be trusted. How about God? Can, can God be trusted? With your valuables, can God be trusted with your life? And I think you guys know the answer academically. Yes, he can. He can. And, and what God wants to do today, I think, is to take this word, this chapter, and just reinforce that if it's there or to, to put it there if it's not. God wants us to be a people that truly trust him. The Bible says to trust in the Lord with half of your heart. No, I'm just joking. It doesn't say that, right? What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We're going to see that today. Uh, It's so cool. This is one of the the best chapters in the whole Bible. In one sense, probably all I have to do is read it and you'll get blessed but look what's here we'll be, we begin reading in verse 1 Daniel 3 it says the nebuchadnezzar the king he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon and king nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps uh, the administrators the governors the counselors the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so, you know, you guys know the story here. Uh, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he made an image of gold and it's so it's 90 feet high. That that is so huge. That's the the height of an eight-story building. I mean, it's just this huge this massive image of gold. And and when you look at the timing right here, it's interesting uh where and when this image was erected. If you remember uh last week we read in chapter 2 how God had given Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And do you guys remember the dream? the dream was that nebuchadnezzar saw this image and the he was in the dream the image of uh the the head the head of gold and then after that there was a silver the chest the arms and then the bronze thighs and 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 you know right here the belly and then the iron and it went down and you know inferior kingdoms and so daniel gave to him the dream and he gave him an interpretation he said nebuchadnezzar you're the head of gold and so here we are now, some say maybe 12 years later. We're not sure, but he doesn't want to just be the head of gold. No, he wants to be the whole image. I'm not just the head. I want to be that whole image of gold. We see that, and we're going to see that it's an element of pride. God's going to be dealing with this guy for a while. But then secondly, not only when this you know whole thing is erected, but then it's interesting to me where. It was erected. Look again at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. His image was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. And he set it up, it says, in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. You know, a lot of people believe this plain of Dura in the province of Babylon is the same plain spoken of in the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verse 4 where they built what's known as the Tower of Babel. It's real interesting. It says in Genesis eleven one through 4, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And so they tell us it's kind of it's the same place. And they dwelt there, and then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone, and they built asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens, and we'll make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, it's interesting. Here we have Nebuchadnezzar building this image, you know, all about himself making a name for himself there in babylon and then you go back to genesis chapter 11 kind of the same thing these guys wanted to make a name for themselves then you fast forward over to the book of revelation chapter 13 and what do you find you find essentially the same thing where the the false prophet you know he comes and he creates this image and he tells the whole wide world we're going to see same thing here to worship and if they don't worship They die. What do we see here? Well, we see the whole event is a picture. It's a prelude. It's a prophecy pointing to the events that will take place in the last days when the Antichrist, led by the religious and political Babylon, spoken of in Revelation 17 and 18, there will sit in the temple, proclaim himself to be God, and demand worship. And what we find there is that then there will be this element of the mark of the beast. Allegiance will be required. And what we find is that spirit of Babylon, that spirit of pride, that spirit of making a name for himself, that the devil is working hard to make the whole wide world bow down to him. And that's what we're going to see here. And it's really interesting when you connect it to the book of Revelation. It's it's really fascinating and so what does the, the king do? we're going to see Revelation 17 and 18 that, you know, there's the there's a political Babylon where there's a one world government. There's a commercial Babylon. There's a religious Babylon kind of trying to unite things together. This is what we see the king does again there in verse two. He gathers all these guys together. The satraps were the chief representatives of the king. The administrators or prefects were the military commanders the governors were the civil administrators. The counselors were the advisors to those in governmental authority. The treasurers were those who administered the funds of the kingdom. The judges were administrators of the law. The magistrates were those who passed judgment in keeping the law, and the officials were those who had the various offices of subordination to the satraps So basically what we see, he's gathering the whole government, the leaders, the influencers of society— And he's bringing them to here, to this place, so that they can go back and tell the whole wide world to do what Nebuchadnezzar is now establishing. And this is what the Antichrist will attempt to do in the future. What we see back then in Babylon is Nebuchadnezzar attempting to unite everyone under a one-world government and a one-world religion. Because look what we read next, you guys, in verse 3. It says, So the satraps... The administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and do what worship worship the gold image that king nebuchadnezzar has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and so he gathers all the leaders together uh it's the devil moving really we see it in genesis 11 revelation 13 and uh, and he says this is the, the new law for the land. It's a lethal law at that. The representatives and rulers of the people were given word. They would then pass along to the rest of the world that whenever they heard the song, you know, from the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, essentially when they heard the worship of this image taking place, that they were to join in and not just fall down like we read in verse 6, but they were to worship the gold image. And whoever would not comply with this command of the king would be immediately cast into the burning, fiery furnace. You know, and just in case you're wondering, would Nebuchadnezzar really do this? Would he really take someone who doesn't, you know, worship this image and kill them? Well, if you put your marker here, you go over to uh, Daniel chapter 5, Just notice how Daniel described Nebuchadnezzar in verse 19 when he's testifying. He says, And because of the majesty that he, God, gave him, Nebuchadnezzar, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed, and whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up, and whomever he wished, he put down so nebuchadnezzar definitely had that authority daniel testified to the fact that he killed many people and there's even an interesting passage over in jeremiah 29 and verse 22 Uh, remember jeremiah was a contemporary jeremiah wrote you know all the way leading up to the end of the you know israel the end of judah the captivity of babylon and so he was also familiar with the tactics of nebuchadnezzar and he wrote in jeremiah 29 verse 22 and because of them a curse shall be taken up by all the captivity of judah who are in babylon saying the lord make you like zedekiah and ahab whom the king of babylon roasted in the fire and so this guy had done some barbecues before man he'd done some roasting he killed people this was not some guy whose bark was worse than his bite This was a real thing. Everybody knew it. The whole land knew it. They were all trembling before him. And so they all come, and there's the image, this gold image, and he says, when you guys hear the music, worship. Fall down and worship. And so we read in verse 7, So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped, the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so the devil, you know, comes in. This is his desire all along. You know, you read it in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. I, I want what God has. I will ascend. And what does he do? First John 5, 19 says the whole world is lying under the sway of the wicked one. What does the world do? What do they do when they hear the command of the king? They all worship. They all conform to the craftiness of the devil. They're conformers. What we're going to see as we go through our study today. I'm going to give you guys three words that can kind of you can hold on to, and the two are, are the main ones. But you know, that's what ends up happening right here is they were conformed to the command of this wicked king. You know, and in reading the story right here up to this point, there's a couple of things I really want to just warn you guys about. Number one is, is pride, and number two is fear. Those are two of the most common pitfalls for us as the people of God. You know, the two most common and at the same time worst movers and motivators in life. Number one, pride. Number two, fear. Nebuchadnezzar did what he did because he let pride get the best of him. And we have to be so careful of that. We have to put off pride and put on humility. We must never, ever, ever forget who we are, that we are wicked apart from God. We're wretched. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing good in me except God himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, verse 6, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. I am not worthy, and I am not able. All the glory, and I love what Adrian was saying, all the glory is given to God. God, help us to always know that. And then there's fear. Well, if you don't worship, you're going to die. And you're not just going to die. We're not just going to cut your head off. You know, we're going we're to throw you in the fire, in the fiery furnace. You know, there's f- pride and there's fear. There's self and then there's survival. You know, we have to be so careful that we don't conform to the devil or the depravity of man. We have to be so careful that we don't look out for number one. And that's where pride and fear kick in. That's where self and survival make us fall. I want to encourage you guys today to just be so aware, be so cognizant of the fact that the devil will try to come in and bring you to that place where the so-called loves of your life or walk or your worship are motivated by fear, even the fear of survival. You know, when enemies get us with this double whammy of self and survival, we no longer base our decision on what's right and wrong. At the end of the day, we need to come to that place where we simply obey. What does God say about bowing down to the things offered by the world? And you guys know God says, no, don't do that. You know, and then there's probably a lot of people here will say, I don't bow down to the things of the world. Or maybe you do i don't i go to calvary chapel almani yeah but you know the god says in first samuel sixteen seven, i don't see as man sees man looks at the outward appearance god looks at the heart i think of the book of ezekiel and i think it's chapter 8 where the lord brought the son of man he brought ezekiel and he said hey i want you to check out what's going on in the church And he bore a hole in the wall, so to speak, so he could look in so that, you know, nobody knew that they were really watching them and seeing the inner chambers of their heart where they were worshiping other gods. You know, and maybe you don't worship a a literal, you know, physical 90-foot statue image of gold, but there is a strong possibility that there are parts of our heart, sometimes even the majority of our heart, that we're giving to other gods. And the, and the same thing that we see these guys doing here is what we're guilty of at times. We are falling down. We are being conformed to this world. Conformers. That's what they were doing because it was all about self and survival and it wasn't about the Lord. That's what, that's what the world was doing. You know, we live in a world today that's, you know, we've got different gods. God of You know, there's pluralism, there's paganism, there's pantheism, there's materialism, intellectualism. There's hedonism, and hedonism is simply the pursuit of pleasure. A lot of people are guilty of hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, sensual self-indulgence. That's where sexual sin a lot of times kicks in, or other things. You know, just want to have a good time. It's really that what life is all about. That's hedonism. You know, a lot of people, they, and I don't think a lot of you guys are guilty of this, but just in case you're out there, you know, some people worship uh, celebrities. I don't know why they do it, you know. they And they faint, you know, or something, man. It's like why why would you do that they they call it you know there's actually some psychological term it's called celebrity worship syndrome uh, i would call it celebrityism i guess you know and it's like you know you know you got their poster up on your room right and you, whatever you know you're, you're it could be a an athlete you know and it's all about you know following this individual Celebrity worship syndrome is not uncommon. According to this one work right here of 600 people studied, approximately a third qualified for the diagnosis of celebrity worship syndrome. So, man, you know, 33%, you know, were somehow, you know, worshipping celebrities. And basically it occurs when the celebrity becomes the central figure in that person's life. And, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I just think that's weird. I'm thinking, well, I don't need to mention this to the church, right? But there are some people that they're, that's, that's, their, that's their focus. And they're following them on Twitter. and They're following them on Facebook. And who cares what they, they say? Here's one thing to keep in mind, especially if it's an actor. You don't even know the real person because if they're an actor, if they're good at acting, you don't even know the real person because they're acting. How do you know when they're not acting? Well, when they do the movie, right? Wrong. (laughs) They're just good actors. You know, and it could be I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. I have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. It could be I I have a husband. I have a wife. I want a husband. I want a wife. It could be my my child. Some people are so weird, you know, other things too, their dog or whatever, you know. What's the center? Who's the center of your life? Is it really the Lord? Is it really the Lord? These guys right here, um, the, 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 the temptation is just worship another God. It doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't even say right here that the image was Nebuchadnezzar. It just says God's plural, your gods. I won't worship your gods. It doesn't identify the God. And that's why I think we have to be so careful because I think that's the the way of the enemy. Just as long as you don't really worship the living, loving, true one God, I'll let you worship anything else. See, they were conformers. Be careful that you are not conformed to this world. Then there's the informers. Look at verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews, and they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. And so these guys come. You know, we don't know for sure. Maybe they were jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the position they had. Uh, We don't know why, but they came and they and they ratted on them, right? Uh, They gave it a little spice there in verse 12 and they said um, they have not paid due regard to you Um, They don't pay attention to you king. Uh, They have defied your majesty. That's how other translations say it and uh, You know when we look at that, I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, tattletales sometimes uh, Sometimes they're good, right? Um, so i don't want to get too much into that, but I will say this: that the charges are so cool. The charges are so beautiful. Oh, that that someone would charge us with the same thing. that your coworker or your friend or your relative or someone in your house would have that charge against you that that would say you know i there's this guy i know i work with him and i just i just trip out on this guy there's this girl i know i go to school with her and whatever she's a junior in high school or you know a freshman in college or you know i don't know this i don't know could be your uncle i don't know i'm just thinking man there's individuals that you know, they're watching your life. They're scrutinizing their life. They see the real you, not just in church, but in, in life. And the one charge, the one charge they have is that they don't worship other gods. They don't worship. They worship the Lord and only Him. And when I, when I, when I see that right there, I just get so blessed. And my prayer is that one day someone will be able to say that about me. That he worships the one God, the true God, the living God. You know, these guys right here, we're going to see, first of all, you know, you got the conformers. They're just kind of going along with the whole thing, right? Because they want to live. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. And they're just thinking, you know what, this is my way out. You got the conformers, but then you've got the non conformers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what we're going to see is it's the non conformers that become the transformers in this world. Because look what happens um, in verse 13 it says, And then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them is it true Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image Which I have set up now if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn flute harp lyre and psaltery In symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image, which I have made good But if you do not worship you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is the god who will deliver you from my hands now we know nebuchadnezzar had a problem with his temper right we saw that back in chapter 2 verse 12 he, he was furious he was angry he he was a man of rage but he brings the guys in and it's to his credit he asks them is it true you guys that you're not you're not worshipping the image and so he says i'll give you another chance another opportunity, and just so that you know, and I'm going to make it crystal clear what the stakes are, uh, your lives are at stake. If you don't worship, then you will be cast into this fiery furnace immediately. What would you do? What would you do if you were there at that place where they put a gun to your head and they said, listen, if you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. Just deny the Lord, and you can live. And what would you say if you were in Cassie Bernal's shoes? You know, I read this story about um, a church that met in a house. It was in a place where it was uh, illegal to be Christians. And one day as they're there and they're having their meeting, uh, some soldiers come in, and they come in with guns. And they just basically, they just want a clean house. Whoever here, whoever's here, and, 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 and you want to live, all you got to do is deny the Lord. Get outside right now because we're going to kill the real Christians. And true story. And so what ends up happening is these guys, just in the church, they leave. They leave until what? There's a remnant left. And it's at that point the soldiers reveal their true identity. It turns out that they themselves were Christians trying to find out who was real and who wasn't. You know, and when you're there and you're facing life decisions and you're there between a rock and a hard spot and all that, all, all you have to do is compromise. You know, what will we do? What will be the decision that we make? You know, that's where these guys were. And I want to encourage you just in case you ever find yourself crossing that bridge. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight: Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Or rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah, but it's my life. It's my life. Yeah, it's your life. But you've got to love the Lord more than your life. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he's challenging these guys he wants to put doubt in their mind. Who is the God that's going to save you? Right there, he says in the end of verse 16, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? You've got to compromise. God's not going to pull you out. God's not going to pull you through. And what does he do? He plants seeds of doubt. It reminds me of what the Pharaoh told Moses. When Moses came to him, he said, hey, the, the Lord said, let my people go. And Moses said in Exodus chapter 5, He said in verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And so then God would go on to answer his question, right? And prove his power, and ten plagues later, after the devastation of a nation and the death of all the firstborn there in Egypt, you'll find out who the Lord is. Nebuchadnezzar would experience the same thing. He said, What God? (laughs) And so I think that combined with the fact that these three guys trusted the lord i think that made them the lesson that they are for us they wouldn't bow down to anyone or anything other than god and as we see today you know you're going to see today that this is going to be the answer for the world that we live in you know today i was just thinking you know before coming this morning lord I want, you know, to make a difference. Lord, I want you to bless your church. I, I would just pray, Lord, that you would touch the men. Lord, that you would touch the women. Lord, that you would bless marriages, that these families that come here would be spiritually healthy and holy. And God, that you would use us to the ends of the earth. God, that you would just do something great, And you start thinking along all the goals and the things that God puts in your heart. And then the Lord, you know, he just told me, then let it begin in you. Let Manny, Manny, I'm talking to you. He's like slapping me like this. Manny, wake up. Are you completely committed to me? Are you like these guys right here, you know, that just the loyalty the note they don't bow down to any other gods and he just kind of i just felt the lord just say if you would do that you don't have to figure out how all the other stuff will happen i'll take care of it and just think if all of us came away with that don't you want that for your family don't you want that for your church don't you want that for this community that we live in, this world that we live in today. And, you know, we try to get, well, how can I do it? And, you know, what's the, you know, the divine details and vision and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord just says, well, that will follow when you get your life like this. Because I'll open doors and I'll, I'll take you before kings. I'll do the work. They didn't go knocking on Nebuchadnezzar's door in the Oval Office. God brought them there. Why? Because he knew their hearts. God will do the work if we get our hearts right. And so these guys, it's so cool, their response. The king says, Hey, just bow down and then you're and then you're safe. But in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And I don't know, you guys, I I have a feeling that some of you would say, well, I'll just bow down, you know, and and ask God to forgive me. I don't know. You know, um, but I pray I pray that you wouldn't that that type of mentality takes root in our heart. And just devastates us. These guys knew better. These guys obviously were better. They said, oh, king, if you throw us into the fire, our God is able. And that is an important truth to know. Our God is able to deliver us. You guys know that? Whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, whatever your children will go through, you guys know our God is able, right? He is able, right? And you guys know that your life is not in man's hands. He said this, I know this. God's going to deliver us from you. Our life is not in your hands. You guys know that about men and this world that we live in? Your life is not in men's hands. Do you know that? Do you know he is able? And do you know that your life is not in men's hands? But then the third thing he said is, but if not, do you guys know this, that God is wiser than you? You're like, no, I counsel God all the time, you know. You're like, he should listen to me more, man. No, you don't really mean that, do you? I like what Adrian said. He's on time all the time. God's never late. He's never early. He's never, you know, oops is not in his vocabulary. He's able. But if for some reason you suffer and die, then know the wisdom of God has a great plan in that pain. He said this, if not, if for some reason we're allowed to go into this fire, you know, and, and be another, you know, one of these guys that you toasted and roasted, he said, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change who God is. And that's so important for us to know. You know, When you read the book of hebrews, I I love hebrews chapter 11 They call it the hall of faith and man you read these amazing things that These guys did you know how you know the life of abraham and moses and sarah and and you know david And just all these great men of faith But then you continue to read on there in verse 32 through 38 You find other guys that didn't live. They were sawn in two um, they die The bible even says this about them that that we weren't worthy of having them you see, God is able and God is wise. Why did Stephen die? You guys know why Stephen died, right? For Paul. He is able. Our life is not in men's hands. And if not, if for some reason things don't go according to our plans, doesn't change who he is. Because God has a great plan. Why did James die and Peter lived? And you can ask questions and you're not going to get answers on this side of time other than this, that God has a plan in all these things. And so what ends up happening? In verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you picture his face right there? He was growling, right? He was mad, right? He spoke and commanded that the heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So they put a whole bunch of wood in there. And, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, usually, in the, I guess the way it normally happened, you would take off your clothes and throw you in there. They didn't even do that, man. They just threw them in. It was so urgent. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And so... You know, um, God allowed him to go in there. And they uh, they say that it would be a container with an opening on the top and, and the side to get the ashes out. And so, boom, you know, they throw them in there. And they fall down. But look what happens. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste. I mean, he got up quick, and he spoke, and he said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, "I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God." Wow. One translation says that, that all the there was a crowd that gathered. You know, the, the king gets up and he sees the three men and he sees they're not alone. He sees the only thing that's burning is, uh, you know, the, the bond the, the, the ropes that that bound them and they're just walking there in the fire. And what does he see? I was talking to one guy about this. He, he mentions that he sees the son of God and we're like, well, how did how did Nebuchadnezzar know it was the son of God? Well, there's a there's a the, there's a couple of possibilities, but I think the strongest one is because it was a revelation it was a revelation from the Father like the Lord would speak even through Peter. Hey, it was a revelation. The Father told you who it was. Some say it was an angel, and it could have been an angel. But i tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty thoroughly convinced it was Jesus. Because that's the heart of Jesus. When you're in the fire, I mean, it'd be nice to have an angel there, but I'm pretty sure you're going to have more than an angel as a matter of fact, I'm 100% sure. Because Hebrews thirteen five says, Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, the other day I was reading through the Gospels and I was in Matthew and I saw, I was reading when Jesus was crucified. And I read those words, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God why have you forsaken me? And we know. We know why Jesus was forsaken, because he bore our sins. He was separated from the Father, and he was forsaken so that we would never, ever be forsaken. That as we go through the fire, that he'll go through the fire with us. Isaiah 43, verse 2. It says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And you're like, why well, I don't go through fires? I mean, my I, they, my parents told me never touch a fire. They told me. I, I learned that when I was a kid. But you guys know what he's talking about, right? Peter identifies it clearly as the fiery trials of life you know and you've probably already gone through some i know some of you here you've gone through tremendous things in your life and so do you think you'll ever go through them again you're like i hope not (laughs) i'm sorry but you will you know every once in a while i mess around my my brother-in-law i say hey how you doing because he's older now right and uh, he says i'm between illnesses that's what he usually tells me (laughs) And, you know, if you're not in a trial right now, you can just say that I'm between trials. (laughs) There's one ahead of you, but you got to hang on to this type of thing. When you're there, maybe a way out is compromise. But don't. Stand strong. Go in the fire. Don't be afraid of the fire. Why? Because God will use the fire. It won't burn your clothes. It won't even burn your hair. It will only burn the ropes that bind you. And there in the fire, when you go through the hard times, and even though you would never want that, it hurts. Just remember, it doesn't harm. It only benefits you, it only helps. You know, I'm sure you've heard that illustration about the purification of gold and and how... Uh, you know, you, you how do you purify gold? And, and they and they say that well, the way they do it is they turn up the heat. You know, they put it in the ore and they and they turn up the heat. And what happens is the dross rises to the surface, and when the dross rises to the surface, then the 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 master goldsmith he he skims off the you know the dross, but then he heats it up even more, right? And then more dross rises to the surface, and he skims it off, and then. You know, he heats it up even more until finally, you know, um, he knows when he's done, when that gold is pure, when that goldsmith sees his image in the gold. And that's who we are. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. And that heat will intensify and, you know, God's going to come and he's going to skim it off until one day. When it's all over, that's when we go home to heaven, huh? And it could happen any day now with all these earthquakes, right? <laughs> Be ready, man. <laughs> or maybe the rapture. A lot of people say, well, where's Daniel in all this? How come Daniel isn't there? And, you know, we don't know for sure. Some say, well, maybe they didn't accuse him because they thought he was too high up there. Or maybe he was out of town. And I, that's when I lean towards more. Maybe he was out doing some business somewhere. Of course, we know he would never bow down. But you want to know why Daniel's not there? Because he's a picture of the rapture, right? In the book of Revelation 13, that's the tribulation period. The church won't be there. We'll be raptured, right? Unless you're not walking with the Lord, you might get left behind. It's kind of funny. The other day I was looking for my wife. I couldn't find her. I'm serious it it was never it's never been this bad before I was checking all the rooms I even checked the bathroom when my son was in it forgive me I mean it was pretty bad I'm where is mom I went outside the cars there and uh, finally I I called her and I said I I know it can't be the rapture I'm still here right (laughs) and she was uh, under the covers kneeling down behind the couch praying what about you are you ready are you ready for the rapture? I pray you would be. Because all these things, all these earthquakes, all the things going on in Russia, all these things are the signs of the times that Jesus is coming soon. We've got to trust the Lord. No matter what we go through. You know, one of my favorite verses is Job chapter 13, verse 15. It says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Some people are not like that. They're like, man, unless the Lord does things according to my timetable, and I've seen people over the years walk away from the Lord because He doesn't bring them a a wife or whatever, a husband, according to their timetable. They walked away from Jesus Christ. They walked away from the Lord because they got their eyes on that. You know what? It doesn't matter what the Lord does. Though He slay me, Yet will I trust in Him. And that's where we have to be. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. In Jeremiah seventeen seven, the Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 12, Blessed is the man who trusts in you. That's where these guys were. Because um, look what it says in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Who sent his angel and delivered his servants, notice who trusted in him. You know, it's God's grace, sovereignty, proving to the king what he wanted to prove, but don't don't take away the element of us, you know, putting our trust in him. Do you trust the Lord? I know recently I've kind of been like, wow, it was kind of cool, Lord. I went through this trial, but through the trial I knew it was ahead. I was confident. I was confident. That God would provide and I tell you what it was a lot different than the previous trial I went through where I wasn't confident I was like Lord, what are you gonna do the world? The sky is falling. Have you ever been there (laughs) chicken little syndrome? No way. The sky is not falling Trust the Lord These guys they trusted in the Lord and I love what it says You know this met Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. There's Romans twelve one and two, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon you know there are the conformers there are those who are just even in the church I believe worshiping other gods then there are the non-conformers there are those who I'm just worshiping the Lord no one else has my heart there are no rival thrones it's the Lord And as a non-conformer, you're going to be a transformer. I believe this with all my heart. I believe one day when we're in heaven, you want to know one of the guys that you're you're probably going to kick it with one day? Nebuchadnezzar. You can call him Neb when you see him then. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar is going to be in heaven. Now, he's not there yet. He's still calling him the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But God's just reaching this guy through Daniel. And then he sends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're witnessed. And and then he's going to humble him in chapter 4. And I think at the end of the day, Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. And God gets all the glory. But there will be people in heaven one day because of you. Because of you. You know, we're going to heaven. We want to take as many people with us as we can, right? Our family and those that God brings into our path. And so, what do we got to do? We can't conform. We got to trust the Lord, you know, and, and as we do, it's going to be a witness. Even someone as hard-hearted as Nebuchadnezzar can get saved. And I and I believe that eventually he did. But the only question is whether or not we will trust the Lord. You know, there's this little boy. Bob can probably tell you how this hymn goes. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. I don't know the, the lyrics or all that, but I know it's trust and obey. And this little boy was singing in a Sunday school one day and he said he he had the words wrong, but it was okay. He said, Trust and okay. Trust and okay. <laughs> if you trust, it's gonna be okay, man. Because God is God and He's look what he's done, right? One person said, All I have seen teaches me to trust the God I have for all I have not seen. Have you seen enough? I pray you have. You can trust him. You know, one of my favorite movies is that movie Aladdin. And uh, do you guys remember that? I I just love it. You know, Aladdin, when a couple of times, you know, he reached out to... What's her name? You guys know? Yeah, Jasmine. And so uh, he reaches out, you know, do you trust me? And I love it when he, you know, he rides his magic carpet up there. Do you trust me? And you got to make a decision. Do you trust? If you do... You're in for the ride of your life. Do you trust the Lord? I pray that you do. Father, we thank you so much. We go through the fire, Lord, but we know there's good reasons why. And so I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your church today through all the things they go through as you're conforming us into your image. And Lord, I pray if there is anyone here today who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, today would be the day that they turn from their sins and they trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. Bless, I pray, Lord, today, um, our life, Lord, just all the things that are going on. Lord, I pray that we would just bring ourselves to that place. And, And sometimes it might be hard to identify but Lord, give us eyes that at see deeper. Are there any other gods that we're worshiping? Is there anyone else, anything else? Or what am I doing with my time and my treasure, my temple? Lord, what am I doing with this life? Am I worshiping any other gods? Oh Lord, I pray. I wouldn't. <laughs> And I pray that for your congregation, Lord, that you do a great work in them. Thank you so much for this amazing love. That you would be with us in the fire. That you would die for us. So, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And we worship you today. Be with us now, Lord, as we sing, as we fellowship, as we go. Lord, just be heavy on our hearts.